Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. We are back after about a week off, aside from my little uh, my little mini Toog Talk episode that I know Endo liked. I don't know if Sin got a chance to hear it. It was just me rambling. He didn't miss much. It was a fun time, though. But we are back. Sin is back after a lovely week with family, just about. It felt like at least so that was... Awesome for you. Endo's been dealing with all the computer issues in the world. He's been having a great time. And we're here today, back once again, to talk some hockey. Nearly a week's worth of hockey, so we are going to get right down to business in today's episode. We'll hold off on viewer questions because, boys, there are a thousand things to talk about, including a player suspension that was announced about ten minutes before we went to record, and I have some thoughts. Before we get into the hockey side of things, though, of course, as always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Still going on the Cyber Monday sale. If you listen to this podcast when it first goes up, 25% off everything site-wide. And, of course, as per usual, code Tuki at checkout, 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping at any other time. So make sure to check out Manscaped, the perfect stocking stuffer for you in this holiday season. It just might be a variety of different things for all those grooming needs. Endo and I can attest to it. I think Sin got his, too, the brand-new shampoo and conditioner 2-in-1, the body wash as well. Uh, They're fantastic. So, again, check out our friends at Manscaped, and we thank them very much for supporting this show. And boys, with that, let's go to the way back. We are going to jump right into our day-by-day. It was easier to just kind of disperse a lot of the bigger talking points into the day-by-day as we cover each of these teams. So, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's a long time ago already. We would have talked about it on the last show. We'll kind of breeze through it. But uh, we start off last Tuesday, the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Philadelphia Flyers 4 to nothing. We'll be talking about the Flyers a lot, but this was another Vasilevsky shutout and a Steven Stamkos goal, his 10th of the year. I mentioned the Vasi shutout because a lot of people have been asking about our updated um, awards predictions, and we'll get to those in the next episode at the beginning of the month, although we might have to delay it. I, I don't know. Yes, and you'll be here this You'll be here this Thursday. Yeah, I'll be here this Thursday. It'll be fine. So we'll be doing those on that show, so look forward to that uh, the Stars beat the Oilers 4-1. to one. Remember when I said the Stars were going to get pooped on by Leon Dreisaitl? Because they always do. Yeah, so much so much for that. But good news for the Stars. I mean, on this day, at least, they were up to 8-7-2. and two. And again, those star players are kind of heating up a little bit. And the final game on Tuesday was Calgary beating Chicago 5-2. to two. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Goodrow both getting their ninth of the year. Brandon Hagel, his sixth for the Hawks. And that will not be the last time that we mention him on this show. We look ahead to Wednesday, because again, in terms of talking points from last Tuesday, man, it was it might as well have been six years ago at this point, right, with how much we have to discuss today. Uh, last Wednesday, the Bruins beat the Sabres 5-1. to one. It was it was the Sabres. <laughs> like, I'm not going to sit here and just be like, oh, yes, it's Stanley Cup, here we come. But it was nice, because you look at, you know, four of the goals and who they were scored by. Bergeron, seventh. Coyle's sixth. Pasta's sixth, Taylor Hall's fifth. Like, the key players, the big money players showed up in that particular game. Also on Wednesday, boy, I just mentioned them, and again, we'll talk about them a lot. Uh, The Flyers lost to the Florida Panthers. It was a 2-1 win for the Cats in overtime. Uh, Sam Bennett, his seventh of the year. Ekblad, his sixth. 
this dropped Philly down to 8-6-4, and four, and uh, it will not be the last Philly loss that we mention. And then, and then, I'll give you both a chance to speak on this man. My vote for the Hart Trophy. It's Ryan Hartman. It's <laughs> the Minnesota Wild beat the New Jersey Devils 3-2 last Wednesday. It was Hartman's 10th of the year. Notice how I said David Posternock just scored his 6th of the year prior to that. 10 goals for Hartman as of last Wednesday. I hate it. I hate it so much. And I know a lot of, like, I think a lot of fan bases too, so you might be able to speak to this, because he's one of those players I always get comments on, on YouTube, from people being like, ah, fuck Ryan Hartman. And I think it's just because he managed to piss off a lot of fan bases, but Minnesota seems to be embracing him tremendously. Yeah, I don't I don't understand the hate for him. Um, again, the Sharks don't play the Wild that often, especially with the how everything goes now, so I'm not too sure. It's I, I know I didn't expect him to ever be a, a guy with 10 goals um, like a quarter through the season, like to about mm. on pace for 30 to 40 goals, which is absolutely ridiculous. He was always looked to me like a third, fourth liner. And that's, I don't even know how old he is. He's just one of those players that even now you're just like, I don't know anything about him. Like he's going right. to do this twice, two seasons in a row. And then I might care, but uh good for the wild and, and good for Ryan Hartman because uh, he's found something that works. We'll see if he, uh, David Clarkson's it up or something. The Penguins beat the Canucks last Wednesday as well, four to one. It pushed the Canucks to six, twelve, and two on the season. We'll again have to talk more about them a little bit later on, but oof. Yep. Shout out to Evan Rodriguez, though, Elite One C with seven goals on the air. What the hell's up with that? Uh the Capitals beat the Habs six to three. Um, shout out to Cole Caulfield for the Habs who scored his first of the year. Yay! Uh, it's not too late for that, Calder. Yeah. <laughs> it's not too late. But this pushed the Habs. I mean, at this point, again, this is last Wednesday. Uh, the Caps at this point were 12, 3, and 5. People have been trying to write off the Caps for seasons. Mm-hmm. They just keep persisting. And it pushed the Habs to 5, 14, and 2. And obviously, there's an elephant in the room to get to later on that I can't wait to get to. Uh, the Blue Jackets beat the Jets 3 to nothing last Wednesday. Elvis and Merzlikens with a shutout, which is pretty nice. I mean, still, every, I think there's everyone in the hockey world's rooting for him to have as good of a season as he possibly can. But that game was highlighted by our first example of something happening from the Department of Player Safety. It won't be the last. Josh Morrissey of the Jets was fined 5K, the maximum allowable limit under the current CBA, for slashing Alex Texier after he uh, scored an empty or after an empty net goal was scored. Uh, Morrissey just uh, two-handed a guy. 5K, that's fine. Yep. 5K. I mean, I think if you really wanted to send a message, you probably would have suspended him for a game or two. I mean. You're talking about a 5K fine, and a certain Russian man was fined the same amount for throwing a glove at somebody. But, you know, 5K for slashing a guy after an empty netter that made it 3 to nothing. Good job to the DOPS there. There's zero uh, consistency across the board. There's zero precedent. I, and no one knows what anything is. And because, like, this is yeah. a dangerous-ass play, but you're saying it's the same as a guy throwing a glove at someone. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know if they're trying to prove to the point that the CBA sucks, but you know what? You need to – I don't know. Like, you need to – like, th- that's a serious thing. This is – that, like, 
that's a See, horrible this, example to be said. Yeah. You need to send a message. Kids are fucking watching this. Hey, kids, are you pissed about losing? Two hands slash a guy after he scores an empty net goal. Like, yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> a 5K this, fine for that's a fucking joke. Yeah. This entire episode, Endo, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but it's, it's going to be overshadowed by the fact that we have some bigger conversations that we'll get to. But I think the DOPS, DO, yeah, the DOPS conversation. Um, is probably going to be the most uh, relevant, yeah. maybe. I don't know. This It'll be fun. Um, also on Wednesday, Red Wings beat the Blues 4-2. to two. Uh, Lucas Raymond, 8th of the year. Dylan Larkin, his 10th. I want to point this out. Uh, the Red Wings at 9-9-3. Not too bad, given what we expected them to be this year. The Blues at that point on Wednesday had fallen to 10-7-2. Remember what Sin said when they were like 7-0-1? He's like, yeah, let's wait until they, they play a few more tougher teams. And now all of a sudden, as the last Wednesday, they were 10-7-2. So, just saying, I think you hit the nail on the head on that one. Yeah. Yeah, some, sometimes hatred and salt uh, gives you good takes. What can <laughs> I say? <laughs> hey, you do what you got to do. This podcast wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for hatred and salt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the New York Rangers beat the New York Islanders 4-1. to Chris Kreider. 14th and 15th of the year. <laughs> Kevin Rooney also had a two-goal performance to get his fourth and fifth of the year. And it was a two-assist night for Ryan Reeves. On the flip side, Alexi Lafreniere fought. You'd think those roles would be reversed. But yeah, Chris <laughs> Kreider. Like, the Rangers, have they're one of the most bizarre teams in the league. They're 12-4-3 after that game. Chris Kreider. We'll talk more about him in a minute here, too, because good God... Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Nashville Preds 5-2. to uh, Again, key players for the Knights getting goals. Two-goal game for Philip Forsberg, who... You know, I haven't heard too much about Philip Forsberg this year from Preds fans, aside from just everyone's kind of expecting him to get traded. Like, I feel like a lot of the conversations surrounding Matthias Ekholm transferred over um, to Forsberg once Ekholm was re-signed. It's like, yeah, we're probably moving on from this guy. Yeah. And I'm intrigued to see if they do, right? Because you get rid of Arvidsson... But you keep back home. You might get rid of Forsberg. Johansson and Duchesne, especially Duchesne, haven't been that bad this year. I don't know what direction Nashville's necessarily going to go in. Like, if they get the idea that, like, oh, we're only a few pieces away, then you could see them going down a certain path that won't benefit them long term. But they're in this really weird middle ground, and I don't really know what to think of, like, where they're going. I don't think they do either. I, they've been in this situation yeah. for... How long? I, it's. I feel like it's been at least like, since they went to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, like the, it, this. It's going on like five. Oh my god! It's already five. No, is it five years? I don't know. It's a long time. Co uh, the timeline well, is so screwed. There's 2017. So, right? it was, so, it's so yeah, yeah. Because it years. was Sharks, Sharks, Pens in 16, and then Preds, Pens in 17. Yeah. So it's almost five years of this weird floundering thing they're doing, where they like look like they're rebuilt. And I st and, and again. Maybe it's just because they're one of those market teams and, and you don't hear about them too often. They're never really in hockey news, um, like, at all. And they're not – they're. it's like I – I don't know what they're doing. I already forgot who they signed. I, I know they traded someone or maybe they didn't trade someone to Philly. They just signed someone from, who was on Nashville. Again, it's just like one of those teams like – I don't think – I don't even think they know what they're doing. And it's mm. – it, it, it's – I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of them because – they're just been kind of floundering and they don't seem to have an actual direction, which is not going to benefit them. Yeah. 
That's, no, that's spot on, uh, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> trying to let Endo get a word in here, but no, it's fine. You guys in? are. I'm still pissed off about uh, everything that's going on in my personal <laughs> life right now. No, uh, for for a little bit of context right now. So uh, I have a weird situation with my G with my GPU where I cannot edit any videos. Therefore, I cannot make any money. I cannot do my job. But lo and behold, I can fucking stream. For some fucking reason, excuse my French, I can do everything but my job. And it's great. I'm okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just like uh, trying to send something God. out right now. Sorry for me, super distracted. Uh, you have my full attention right now. Do what you gotta do. Okay. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche beat the Anaheim Ducks last Wednesday as well. Cal uh, McCarr scored his eighth of the year. Uh, Nazem Kadri scored his seventh. He keeps doing well. Jesus. Uh, but in this game... Head coach Jared Bednar became the winningest coach in Colorado Avalanche history. How is that even possible? Wow. I, 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 okay, so here we go. Let's go through the history of these coaches, right? So the original coach of the Avs was Mark Crawford, another man who is still in hockey. He'll never go away, ever. Oh, boy, uh, club. He only, coached, he only coached the team from 95 to 98. They won a cup in that time. But in those three years, 135 wins. That's second all-time in team history, or excuse me, third now. Uh, he was replaced by Bob Hartley, who coached the team from 98 to 02. They also won a Stanley Cup in that time. He won 193 games, Jeez. and he was the winningest coach, but Bednar now on 194, bare minimum. And then you had Tony Granato coach the team for two years. Tell me if you remember this one. Joel Quinville. What? Coached the Avalanche from 05 to 08. Okay. Peanut butter. <laughs> I have no recollection of Joel Quinville ever coaching the Colorado Avalanche. Neither do I. And that, I don't I'm trying to even think what kind of team they were at that time. Oh five. Not 08. good. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> they were not good for a really long time. Yeah. Like they were probably not good, then went to mediocre, then went to not good again in like the twenty tens. Well, okay, so I'm looking at it for Colorado here. 05-06, second in the Northwest Division, lost in the semifinals to Anaheim in the playoffs. 06-07, missed the playoffs, and then 07-08, lost to Detroit in the semifinals. Can't have shit in So Detroit. two semifinals appearances in three years, and then bad. he yeah. skipped town to go to Chicago, and we all know what happened then. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, yep. And then the, to, to, to round this out, Tony Granado, 08-09, he replaced Quinville. Joe Sacco from 09-2013. to 2013. Sacco, not Sackick. Sacco. Yeah, Joe Sacco. And no who, flack uh, on your Sacco. Is an assistant coach with the Bruins, actually. Huh. Wow. And then Patrick Waugh from 2013 to 2016. Oh, yeah. And then Jared Bednar. Jared Bednar is the longest tenured head coach in the history of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, that's kind of nuts. I, I can't believe that it wasn't the same coach from, like, the 90s to the early 2000s when they were, like, kicking ass. That surprises the hell out of me. Again, I didn't pay attention to coaches back then, obviously. I'm a, I was a little literal kid, but... Yeah, I was an infant. So yeah, in in their history between '95 and 2016, no head coach coached more than four years. That's crazy. And they had six different coaches. In that time. Jesus, it's like yeah, you have McKinnon now, but you had like Sackick and Forsberg and like Foot and yeah, the good team. Yeah, won two cups. Milan yeah. Hayduke, like holy oh, yeah. crap, Adam Foot. Like it's just. I mean, yeah, I will say, fun fun thing to look at, though, I might actually go back and watch this now. On YouTube, I think still there's uh, a documentary about the 04 Avalanche uh, that was an HBO special, and I'm pretty sure it's uh, James Hetfield doing the voiceover. 
randomly, but yeah. it covers like Korea and Sackett going to the Avalanche. And of course, they lost in like the yeah. second round that year or whatever, but it's, it's awesome. There. I forgot I Korea recommend... was on other teams. <laughs> Dude, Paul Korea was on Nashville, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. St. Louis? What? He was on St. Louis? I had, I had a Paul Korea St. Louis jersey. I ended up selling it, but weird. yeah, I had a Korea St. Louis so jersey. Weird. It wasn't a jersey foul. It was real. I That's remember so weird. him going to the Avs. Didn't Solani <laughs> go to the Avs too? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was what the documentary was covering. Like Korea and Solani were both on the abs at the same time. Yeah. It was really weird. That's really weird. Um also on Wednesday, the Leafs kicked the shit out of the LA Kings yeah, we six did. to two. Um everybody scored. Bunting, Spezza, Tavares, Matthews, Engvall. All the Pierre Engvall scored. All That's <laughs> how much of a shit kicking it was. <laughs> All the Warriors. Oh my god. Love it. I mean, I know you never want to get too much into the Leafs. You're going to have to in a little bit. Well, I will. It's, it's, uh, they're doing well. We're going we're gonna to get to it for sure. Yes, we will. Uh, the Kraken beat the Hurricanes last Wednesday. Uh, the Kraken 6-12-1 at that point. The Hurricanes 14-3-1. Kraken went at 2-1. Jared McCann scored his eighth of the year. Interesting stat about the Kraken coming up in a bit. Uh, the Oilers beat the Coyotes. Who to thunk it? 5-3. Uh, to three. McDavid, two-goal game, 13th and 14th of the year. Dreisaitl, two-goal game, 19th and 20th of the year. Keep in mind, I said the Oilers had played 19 games, and Dreisaitl has 20 goals at that point. Insanity. And then he was quoted um, saying, it's not realistic for me to get, like, 82 goals, score every game. <laughs> something like that. I'm like, motherfucker, it just might be. Like, you haven't slowed down. I mean, maybe, I, honestly, I think he could get 70 goals. Yeah, I uh, really think that'd he be could great. get seventy. Like, when's the last time we had a seventy goal score? Was it Solani with the Jets? I think so. Oh, let's see. Or List me. of NHL seventy goal scorers. There is an autofill for Hall. that. Uh, let's see. Most goals in one NHL season. I mean, in terms of seventy, it looks like the last time that was done was the '93 season with Tamu Solani. At 22 years old, scoring 76 goals in 84 games. That same year, by the way, Alex Mogilny also scored 76 goals. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. Yeah, so I mean, in terms of a 70 goal score, the last time it happened was 1993 from, from what I'm looking at. I hope it does um, God, and then it's like you had... Has there been anybody... Okay, so Ovi has the most goals post, like, 1996. Yeah. In a season, he scored 65 goals in 07-08. And even that feels, like, unrealistic to catch. I mean, Ovi... Okay, here we go. So, in terms of players post-lockout, 2005, that is. Ovi has 65 goals in a season. There's only one other player to score 60 goals in a season. Do either of you know who that is? Hmm... We have talked about him on this show as having potential for being a phenomenal goal scorer, maybe one of the best ever, but injuries Alex, have slowed him Alex, down. No. Steven Stamkos. Hey! Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, he had a 60-goal year. Yeah, he did. 11-12. And he got, then he turned to a cripple. And, yeah. Oof. It's, it's, listen. Inappropriate. He's, he's glass, bones Joe, glass Bones Greg. Like, when he when he's healthy, he's great. But <laughs> when he's not, it's not great. Nothing. He's not a good Fair player, enough. but just it sidelined his career, and he could have been 
up there, but he's still up there, but he's not like up, up yeah. there. Yeah, that that was pretty much the uh, you know the gist of our conversation the other week was that yeah he could have been way up there. Um, also in that game, um, Ilya Lyabushkin, who who I like a lot, he's a really good defensive defenseman for the Oats, uh, but he did cross check Connor McDavid nearly head first into a goalpost. So um, thank God Connor's okay is all I can say because I think that's the last thing anybody wants to see unless you live uh, in Calgary is to see McDavid or Drysaddle get hurt this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that and was final collarbone too. Yeah, yeah, right. He has that history too. Of uh, I think it was the other side. Injury. Maybe I'm not too sure which side it was. I'm not but sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the final game last Wednesday, final game before Thanksgiving, the Sharks beat the Sens six to three. Uh, Matt Nieto scored. Nick Benino scored. Finally, Hurdle, Meyer, Couture, they all scored. Sounds like it was a fun time. So I don't know if you remember it. It was the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I do. I watched that game. It wasn't the cleanest thing of all time. It's the Senators, and they kind of struggled at times against them. The Senators took a lead, like scored three unanswered and took a lead, which was not cool. But Nieto scoring was nice. Benino finally getting his first point in like game twenty or night. Uh, I don't know nineteen. Or, it, it was ridiculous. Yeah, he was. The most snake-bitten person on the planet. Finally got a goal. And then, of course, the big boys, Hurdle, Meyer, Couture. It's just good. Like, this team just flat out, like, they're kind of weird where it's like they don't destroy the bad teams and they don't get destroyed by the good teams. They're kind of in this weird spot where they're just, every game, if they play to their system, they're going to have a chance to win, which is nice. It's nice to see because, yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk about them later as they beat one of the better teams or... Indeed, my timeline's so, off. I don't. I don't know. Ah, well, we we need to talk about every team almost in depth. That's how crazy this past week has been. Yeah. We'll move to Friday. First game, Black Friday. The matinee is is tradition for the Boston Bruins, where they played the New York Rangers and lost five to two. It was the Rangers' third win in a row. They've won seven of their last ten. In this game, Artemi Panarin scored his fifth of the year. Lafreniere is fifth of the year. Hey, remember when we talked about Lafreniere struggling? Yep. He has five goals now. Uh, Dryden Hunt broke the camera on the center post <laughs> on a goal. <laughs> he hit the lens dead on. Hilarious. Oh, and Chris Kreider almost scored a fucking Michigan. Chris Kreider's trying the Michigan now. <laughs> How much confidence does this man have? I feel like this Rangers team embodies this NHL season the most where it's like you don't ex- you didn't I mean maybe you expected them to be good but you didn't expect them to have the record they do and they probably you could even argue until now shouldn't have had the record they had because of their like goal differential it's starting to get better now with their last couple games but I mean think about it Kreider scoring a bunch like Hartman scoring a bunch all these other names where you're like who the fuck is this are getting good this year the Sharks are above 500 Timo Meyer is one of the top point per game guys in the NHL like what what this season is so bizarre and I feel like the Rangers are one of those teams that kind of best um represents that this season. And Tukey has a look on his face. I'm not too sure what it is. <laughs> so there is breaking there is breaking news Uh-oh. within the Bruins world. Uh-oh. Um we were going to and obviously we will still talk about the Bruins a little bit later on. I referenced the Brad Marchand suspension. This comes from Ryan Rashog of TSN. Oh. Spoke with Rick Vallette today, the agent for Jake DeBrusque. He has confirmed that he has asked for a trade over the past weekend. It's felt a change of scenery moving forward would be beneficial. DeBrusque will remain with the team while the Bruins try to facilitate the request. You know what you need to get a center. 
<sighs> so here's the, here's the thing. We'll give you Tomas Hurdle for all your firsts. So here's take the Tavares, thing, right? Please the, take Tavares. The sharks, the sharks immediately come to mind for two reasons. One, a player who just went through waivers. No, you're not. <laughs> Which I would. Him. No. Please God, no. That's my that's my immediately worst that's my immediate worst case scenario. Dude, sending Evander Kane to Boston would be the worst thing ever. Dude. Boston, <laughs> if you get into those North Shore fuckers, they're gonna. There's gonna I can already hear the, like the racism on, uh, from like the mids in the arena. Already. Oh, my oh God. man, yeah, God's they're they're great. ready to break out the hard R. Yeah, <sighs> I use the A. <laughs> I use neither. <laughs> I'd hope I'm not so. a piece of shit. <laughs> I fucking hope not. <laughs> so that aside, on the flip side, in a positive way, I'd like to think that maybe, just maybe, possibly, potentially, please God, could this be the catalyst? It obviously wouldn't be one for one. There'd be other pieces involved, certainly. But the best case scenario I can possibly see of a Jake DeBrusque trade is for Tomas Hurdle to come to Boston. Please, God. And that might be the only way I'm content with Jake DeBrusque moving on. I don't know. Like, it's it's been rumored for so long now. He's on the last year uh, of his deal. DeBrusque is. He's an RFA. Hurdle's a UFA at the end of the year. Um, DeBrusque is 25. Hurdle is 28. It seems as though DeBrusque would better fit the Sharks' window. Hurdle would better fit the Bruins' window. But for Jake DeBrusque, it's just, I don't, I don't know if it's just, I don't know what it is. There's just, it, it's always never seemed to be the right fit, though. Um, I don't know if it's the stigma from that 2015 draft, but, you know, it, it, he's been okay. You know, 30, 40 point guy, but obviously you want a little bit more than that, but he's bounced around in the middle six. He had 14 points in 41 games last year, which isn't ideal, but again, that's about that 30 point pace, a little bit under. Six points in 17 games this year, which again isn't isn't great. It just I'm not surprised, but I am sad. I mean, Jake DeBrusque has scored some big playoff goals for the Bruins. Like it's just what's his I don't know. contract? Uh, three point three something. All right. Well, what if it was Evander Kane with 50 percent retained for Jake DeBrusque? It evens out just about. It does. The money. It does. I know. Honestly, weirdly, I know it, it seems like Evander Kane would be horrible. How, yeah. But how strong is the leadership group in Boston? It seems like it's one of the stronger ones. You'll probably get at least. I mean, you have Nick Felino being quoted and saying like, oh, what have you learned about Patrice Bergeron? Oh, he's perfect. That was his quote about Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Felino, who has been the captain and, of NHL clubs, saying, oh, yeah, Patrice Bergeron's like the perfect guy. And. Honestly, Evander Kane kind of plays a style Boston would like. Oh, and it, Evander 100%. Kane on ice yeah. is a Boston Bruin. Yes. He mm-hmm. is a Boston Bruin. He he right now is what Milan Lucic was yeah. in like 2010. Yeah. In terms of he'll kick the shit out of you, he can score. <laughs> Evander Kane is a Boston Bruin on ice. It's the other stuff. It's everything off the ice. Here's the thing, though. Remember when he first got <laughs> traded to San Jose? Those first two years were really good. Mm-hmm. So if you get those two years out of him, then you only have one year left on that deal. And at 3.5 mil, you can bear it. You can trade it. Evander I, Kane's going to be a Boston Bruin, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of 
I don't know. Um, I hope someone claims him off waivers, but by this point, he probably already cleared, didn't he's he? He's cleared, yeah. He, he did. So that, okay. that was that was the okay. So that was the other thing we were going to talk about a little bit later on is that yes, Evander Kane um, has officially cleared waivers. I couldn't hold off on my reaction to this news until we we got to that. I don't that, blame you. That That's pretty big. Bit. I always liked DeBrusque. I feel like he's a good, hardworking guy. He just hasn't been able to put together the uh, the offensive touch. Yeah, so Kane um, also hired a new agent, Dan Milstein of Golden Star Hockey, who has said he's reached out to teams, including the Vancouver Canucks. Um, But the Sharks are willing to retain half of Evander Kane's salary. For three more fucking years. But, I mean, honestly, it's... Is it better than burying him? Like, having him in the AHL... What do they even save? I I I I'm so confused at how that works. I know they have to pay him the same amount, but like the cap relief, it's probably not that much. What the buyout? No, no, no. Like of oh. of having him in in the AHL. I know they pay. They have less it's, of a cap hit, right? It's not a ton. Let me see if yeah. Cap Friendly has it. They don't officially have his okay. dead cap number yet. Yeah. So I, I um. Yeah, he's still listed under non-roster section. His suspension's not officially up yet, is why. Honestly, tr- uh, but for example, trade him to Vancouver before they fire Benning. Right, <laughs> the trade is one for one. Evander Kane for Brock Besser. Let's go. Oh, man, I just wow. So Jake DeBrusque officially requesting a trade. Just because someone requests a trade doesn't mean it's going to happen. We had seen that before with the likes of Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, in St. Louis, that didn't happen, but this has been stewing for years and years and years. And um, if not, if not San Jose, Edmonton is an obvious shout. His dad Louie played for the Oilers back in the day. Um, and honestly, I think you could see space for Jake DeBrusque in the Oilers' middle six. I mean, right now, if you look at the Oilers' depth chart, I'm going off a of cap-friendly. This was last updated on Saturday. Dreisaitl, McDavid, Cassian, LOL. Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, Fogel, McLeod, Pugliarvi. If you get Jake DeBrusque to push that Cassian down to the fourth line, and then it's Dreisaitl, McDavid, let's just say Pugliarvi, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, Fogel, McLeod, DeBrusque, the Oilers have no depth-scoring trouble. They yeah. don't at that point. So I, I would have to say it's San Jose or Edmonton, but wow, just uh, that's a crazy development. Whew. Um, aside from that, we were about to get into a fun topic, and now I'm completely rattled. <laughs> also, in that Friday game between the Rangers and the Bruins, uh, Artemi Panarin threw a glove at Brad Marchand from the bench. <laughs> uh, he was subsequently fined five k. So he basically the two hands slashed him when he was pissed. Yeah, basically. Uh, Brad Marshawn was quoted after the game and saying, quote, We were just talking about what we had for Thanksgiving dinner. He didn't like what I ate. <laughs> Which is the most Brad Marshawn response I've I've ever heard in my life, for sure. Um, and on the flip side of that, uh, Arthur Staple on Twitter mentioned this. According to a source, Marshawn made some Russian-centric comments towards Panarin along the lines of no one likes you there, while bringing up Russian President Vladimir Putin, of whom Panarin has been critical of in the past. I don't believe Artemi Panarin would lie about that. And I will say as a result, 
yeah, if Brad Marchand brought that up, that is so stupidly uncool, it's it's not even funny or worth joking about. You know, I'm someone that definitely has that opinion of, hey, guess what? Trash talking and trying to get under your opponent's skin. There is a line to that beyond gamesmanship. You can jump and just be a douchebag. Alex Burrows is my primary example of someone who crossed the line and is, in my opinion, a gigantic piece of shit for his comments. Such as, uh, oh, let's see, the Patrick O'Sullivan comment saying, I'm going to beat you like your father did. Or the, um, oh God, his name uh, his name escapes me at the moment. Jordan Tutu. Uh, Alex Burrows, if you believe Jordan Tutu and you have no reason not to, uh, made fun of Jordan Tutu's brother who committed suicide. Case in point, you can you can jump. You can jump over chirping. Um, and honestly, I, I think, you know, you look at the situation in Russia and people who are critical of Vladimir Putin, like Artemi Panarin was, and you notice how a lot of other players, whether or not they believe it or not, tend to be on the side of being buddy-buddy with Vladimir Putin because it's in their and their family's best interests. So yeah, my take on that is, uh, yeah, Brad Marchand did in fact joke about that. That's crossing the line, in my yeah. opinion. And uh, Panarin throwing the glove at him was fucking hilarious. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. Boys, thoughts? Endo, you want to go first or are you still? Uh, I will abstain from uh, the comments surrounding Putin. In general, the whole entire thing that was said was just disgusting. Um, that's not needed in hockey. You can chirp. You can go off. But there, there, there's a line. And people need to realize that shit goes too far. Uh, clearly, it went too far. That's why uh, Artemi went, uh, Panarin got mad. And uh, yeah, just don't be a don't be a dick. That's that's the moral of anything. Just don't be a dick. Yeah, I mean, thank you, Polina. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's gonna create a hilarious uh, gif. Of, of just Panarin throwing his glove. But I, I just, as funny as the situation is, like, yeah, I mean, there's certain stuff you don't say. It's Again, it's not really confirmed, I guess, um, oh what he said, but it's a source. And I, would, I wouldn't necessarily put it past Marshawn. Um, it seems that's the problem. It's believable. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. That's it's the like, issue. but I feel like he's been doing a pretty good job of trying to write his own shit. But then again, he also has the other incident coming up to where your mind shifts back to, okay, maybe he is still... Uh, you know that but the piece of shit but it's uh, yeah I don't know what, what, what really bothers me is just the whole handling of it by the DOPS like and I'm, I'm just, that won't be the last time we say I that I know so. and, and, and it's just like, <laughs> like what is I don't know I, I just I, I just don't understand it it's like there's there's not enough punishment being doled out for things that are severe and that's why we have these situations where it's just like they have to find someone the same literally, literally the same amount for two different events which are completely different and one's way more harsh that doesn't get a fucking suspension mm -hmm. and then later we'll talk about how the other Martian incident is uh, was yeah. punished worse than well, we'll get to that, and and I can't. Yeah. I have a lot more yeah. to say about that. But yeah, I can see the I can yes. see the gif right now, where it's just like when your in law asks for extra stuffing, and it's just been there and throwing it at Marshawn. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Whatever. Comedic relief. Let's go. What's next? 
<laughs> also on Friday, the uh, Chicago Blackhawks had a nice come-from-behind victory against the St. Louis Blues. Brandon Hagel scored again. He has seven on the year. Uh, Alex Dabrinkit's OT winner was the 12th of the year. Uh, that pushed the Blues to 10-7-3. and Again, not the best record in the world for them, despite uh, Bushnevich's sixth and Barbashev's fifth. Uh, the Wild beat the Jets 7-1. to uh, the Wild at 13-6-1 as of last Friday. Jets down at 9-7-4. Uh, Two-goal game for Zuccarello, his fifth and sixth of the year. Ryan Hartman's 11th. And Kirill Kaprizov with the sixth for the Jets. The only goal, Dubois, was his 11th of the year. It's not doing so bad. So PLD has done pretty well, but uh, didn't, rough time there for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, pretty sure. Uh, didn't we mention in the beginning when we were going through everything that uh, um, Hellebuck's going to have to be good? For, was he in that game? I'm pretty sure he was, right? Yeah, I believe so. yeah. So we were like, yeah, for the Jets to succeed, Hellebuck's gonna have to be good. Nine seven and four. Not exactly where you thought Winnipeg would be with all that talent. Well, again, they're they're getting, they're again one of those weird teams that were are now kind of being shown how reliant they were on various star players to be stars, and one of those is the goaltender, and that's a tough tough situation because for a goaltender to be a star year in and year out, a lot has to kind of right on that and Winnipeg's defensive core dare I say is not very strong I, I still like Schmidt uh Tamello, Brendan Dillon like Josh Morrissey I think there's still questions about my biggest issue is their depth scoring in Winnipeg where I just like okay so here let, let's let's do it because I love always looking at team lineups right so as of Saturday as well this was the uh the depth chart here for the Jets top line Connor Shifley Wheeler pretty good Although, uh, Shifley, eight points in 15 games. It's okay. Wheeler was seven and 16. Eh. Especially when Kyle Connor has 24 points in 21 games. Second line, Andrew Kopp, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Evgeny Svechnikov. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, some, uh, PLD is solid. Kopp, solid. Uh, third line, Stashny, Lowry, Ellers. I don't know why the fuck Nick Ellers is on the third line, but okay. Uh, and then their fourth line, Jansen Harkins, Dominic Toninato, Christian Veselainen who have a combined seven points between them this season. I know Veselainen because EA always says he's an elite, but... uh, Right. <laughs> and that's not a good sign when EA is like, yep, here we go. Yeah, that's... So. Uh, yeah, I guess their defensive core isn't their biggest issue. The, the thing about that for me is that they got, like, Dylan, De, like Dylan and DeMello. While solid, they're probably playing... Well, DeMello especially probably playing a bit more than he should... Although I do really like him, and he probably could. Analytics darling, Dylan DeMello. Yeah, he, he really is, and that's why I really like him. I, I was sad that the Sharks got rid of him. Uh, well, hmm. more sad in the Years ago. aftermath. Yeah, for Carlson. Yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, we'll keep moving on. Also on Friday, the Canes beat the Flyers. No, that's, the I believe, the third time I've said the Flyers have lost already in this mm -hmm. episode. It was a 6-3 win for the Canes. Uh, all the big guns scoring for the most. Well, I mean, Jesper Foss might as well be a big gun. Six goals on the year. Uh, Ajo his ninth and tenth. Uh, just, yeah, another rough loss for the Flyers. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, the Ducks beat the Sens 4-0. Pushes Ottawa to 4-13-1 as of Friday night. Uh, it was an Anthony Stolarz shutout. Jeez. It wasn't even John Gibson. It was Anthony Stolarz. Uh, Troy Terry also scored his 13th of the year in that game. Again, for the love of God, if he's not wearing one of those horrific Team USA jerseys this February, I'm going to be pissed. But let's be honest, I'm starting to doubt whether or not the Olympics are actually going to be a thing, especially the NHL's involvement, uh, because of some of the things that have been happening. Um, 
The Capitals beat the Panthers 4-3. I believe it was the Panthers' first loss on home ice. I think they were 11-0 prior to that game. Uh, Wilson scored his eighth, but Ovechkin, 16-17-18 for Ovi. At 36 years old and 70 days, he became the oldest player in the history of the Capitals to score a hat trick. The uh, previous uh, record holder there was Peter Bondra, who was 35 years old, 295 days. Shout out to Peter Bondra. Wasn't he yeah, Russian, too? That name enough. Uh, sounds I think of. he was Czech. Probably, ah, okay. probably Czech. Think? Some sort of Slav. Peter it's okay. Bondra was Slovakian. Okay. There you go. See? Slav. Yeah. Slav is for men. He was squatting and he's in a de-distract suit. <laughs> nah, no way to do it. That's uh, for that. the Panthers in that game, <laughs> That's some bright yeah. spots. Huberto for Hagee each of their seventh because, of course, Carter for Hagee is sick. Um, Preds beat the Devils 4-2. to two. Roman Yossi seventh. And uh, Phil Tomasino with this fourth. We kind of have it set up that it's Cider, Raymond, and the other guy. I still think Tomasino could be the other guy in the Calder voting by the end of the year. Uh, and Andreas Janssen scored his seventh. Just to uh, mention names of Leafs past with Andreas Janssen. Uh, the, oh my god, this, this scoreline. The Sabres beat the Habs 4-1. to one. Uh, This pushed Montreal to 5-15-2. and 5-15-2. Yeah, Reminder, two. Stanley Cup. Finalists, Montreal Canadiens. God. <laughs> Tage Thompson scored his ninth and tenth of the year. He has been incredible Holy shit. this season. Yeah, Tage Thompson has ten goals this year. Turns out the O'Reilly trade, there's still a chance it could work out oh. for Buffalo. Okpozo <laughs> <laughs> is oh six, too. That's actually kind of Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, dude, if Kyle Okposo can stay healthy like he has, he's still a solid NHLer. Yeah. But man, did it look like his career was just done because of the injuries. So that could be a good feel-good story of the year is if Kyle Okposo can stay healthy and keep putting up decent numbers. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning also on Friday beat the Seattle Kraken 3 to nothing. Andre Vasilevsky with the shutout. Steven Stamkos, his 11th goal of the year. It was Vasi's 200th career win in 318 games. That was the second fewest amount of games to get to 200 wins in history. Only Ken Dryden did it faster. It's pretty nuts. Uh, he, I think it was 217 games it took Vassy. It took Braden Holpe 218. So, in case you forgot how good Braden Holpe was when he first debuted, and that's because he absolutely spanked the Bruins every fucking time <laughs> they played, and I hate it. I hate it then. I hate it now. I'll always hate it. God damn it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't have to sit here and wax poetic about Andre Vasilevsky. In the next episode, when we talk about, oh, who our Vesna favorites might be, I'm sure he'll be up there. Yeah. I'm sure he will be. <laughs> um, and again, to round out Friday, the Jackets beat the Canucks 4-2. to two. Um, pff, We'll talk about you in a minute, Vancouver. Uh, the Stars beat the Avalanche 3-1, to one, featuring a two-goal performance from Joe Pavelski. Fifth and sixth of the year, he became the 10th U.S.-born player to score 400 career goals in the NHL, which is just awesome. Yeah. Uh, the other names that are still ahead of him at this point, if I am not mistaken when it comes to Joe Pavelski, and it's great company he's in, John LeClaire, Patrick Kane, Tony Amani. Bill Guerin, Pat LaFontaine, Joe Mullen, Jeremy Roenick, Keith Kachuk, and of course Mike Madano 
Um, depends on what you want to consider Brett Hall, but he wasn't U.S. born. That's what this list was for. So, at the end of the day, Joe Pavelski, Captain America. Give him the C in the Olympics if they happen, which they won't, but we'll see. Uh, also, uh, God, two other games. There were a shitload of games on Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, the Penguins beat the Islanders one to nothing. Another Tristan Jari shutout. Kasperi Kapanen's fifth of the year. For the Islanders, their eighth loss in a row. Outscored 32-7 to over those eight games. They are 2-8-0 in their last ten with a record of 5-10-2. Holy <laughs> shit. You want to talk about another team where it's like, how are you this bad, injuries or not? Like, if there was a team to be decimated by injuries, and obviously they have other things going on right now, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. Injuries or not, you would think that one of the teams that could withstand it would be the Islanders because of their goaltending, excuse me, and their coaching. Yeah. That has not happened. Uh, bottom line is, they are really struggling to put up points. Uh, looking at their depth chart here, Zach Parise, three points in 17 games. That signing hasn't exactly worked out now, has it? Uh, Anthony Beauvillier and Kyle Palmieri, both seven points on the year. Pajo with just four. Oof. Wallstrom has five. Oof. Matt Barzal, eight points in 17 games. What? Eight. Holy, dude. Isles are fucked. <laughs> and I mentioned the goaltending. Ilya Sorokin has a 928 in 13 games. Mm-hmm. It's damn good. Yeah. Semyon Varlamov, who you could argue should have been up there in Vesna conversation. Maybe the third guy yeah. in the mix last year. Five games played, an 881 save percentage. He's 0 and 4 on the year record wise. My favorite name, 0 and 4. Everything with this team right now just seems to be broken. And screw it. We'll jump ahead because it, it makes sense. Um, the last thing we were going to mention on today's show was that uh, Sunday night, uh, the Rangers-Islanders game was postponed. The Islanders won't play again until December, which obviously it's the 29th is the day that we record this. But massive, massive COVID issues. Um, another outbreak. It's the second outbreak we've seen. Chara, Sezikis, Johnston, Lee, Bellows, Pellet, Green. I think Josh Bailey was also listed in the non-roster section. Uh, this is the second major uh, major COVID outbreak that we've seen with an NHL team this season, yep. following the Ottawa Senators. And the reason I mean, why I mentioned the, the Olympics one was too. I mean, seven guys. Oh God, you're right. Yes, yeah, so that's a third. Yeah. Okay, so we've had enough that it's easy to forget one. That's that's nice. That's that's, that's not scary. Yeah, you shouldn't be playing. You should have your games rescheduled. God. And that seemed to be the sentiment from Islanders fans where it's like, what the fuck is the matter with the NHL? Like, they could have postponed sooner and maybe stopped this, but they kind of let it go and allowed them to get murdered with, like, half a roster. So, yeah, now they give them four days. Four days off to try and get healthy. So I think it's crazy. I think it's ridiculous. I, th- I think it's the NHL desperately trying to go like, oh god, because again, and this is why I mentioned the Olympics. If the if they miss enough time due to COVID, they will not go to the Olympics. Yep. They said that at the beginning of the year. If they if if they get to, it's essentially a snow day side of things where if you hit your limit, 
too goddamn bad. You're you're going. It's just you got to make up that time. Yep. And if more COVID outbreaks keep happening and more game time is missed, it is in the schedule to not go to the Olympics and use that time to make up games that were missed. And there is a very good chance that could happen. That is why when a lot of people ask us, like, hey, can you guys do your Olympic roster predictions? Let's not count our chickens before they hatch here. I don't feel confident talking about what might happen at the Olympics in terms of hockey, at least until February, and until we know for sure that they're going. Yeah. Because it's not a guarantee at all. God, that'd be scary, too. Uh, Imagine having to build, like, an AHL uh, Olympic team for like the U.S. and Canada. I mean, they did it last year. Yeah, or, they did it last time, ago. but just like having to do it again. And then I want, I wonder, like we'll talk about it later, definitely on a different episode. But will these teams, will Canada bring mostly like rookies and stuff like that, like young guys that there to get that experience? And yeah, it's just a whole whole different like ex- whole different thing you have to look forward to, definitely. So it's just it's one of those things. So it's like right, like you look at the Olympics in 2018. Um, obviously the Olympic athletes from Russia won the gold yep. because they had freaking Datsu, <laughs> Kaprizov, Kovalchuk. Germany finished in second with like an ancient Christian Erhoff on their team. Oh, yeah. And then Canada, Canada won bronze. You want me to read off some of the names from the Canadian Olympic roster four years ago? Yes, please. Go for it. Rene Bork. <laughs> That's where we start. Is Gilbert Brule. <laughs> Andrew Ebbett, Che Genoway, Cody Golubov, Quinton Howden, Rob Klinkhammer, Chris Kelly, who had retired and then unretired for these, <laughs> um, Chris Lee, Justin Peters, Mason Raymond, Derek Roy, Ben Scrivens, Scrivens, Wojciech yeah. Wolski, hey, Lyndon Vay. I forgot about Wolski. Like everyone unretired the play for Team Canada again. It was it's like the Spangler. Oh, it was like the Spangler Cup roster, where it's like everyone who couldn't God. like be the top guys were there. It was ridiculous. I and there, dude, there were names like Rob Clinkhammer, Brandon Cozen, Max Lapierre. Like just oh my God! And there is a good chance that that is exactly what we'll see again. Um, I didn't mention the U.S. roster, <laughs> but I can. Yeah, please. I want to just see if I recognize any name. Okay. Goaltenders. Ryan Zapolsky. Nope. Brandon Maxwell and David Leggio. Leggio. Legend. Leggio. Mr. Push the Net Over on a penalty shot. Short? Is it it Short King David Leggio? I think he's short, right? Uh, Yeah, he's six foot. (laughs) At forward, former San Jose Sharks forward, John McCarthy. Let's go. Oh, wow. That was Brian O'Neill. Before he was forced into retirement because of blood clots or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Garrett Rowe, Captain Brian Gianna, Brock Little, Bobby Butler, Ryan Donato, Chris Bork, Jordan Greenway, Jim Slater, a young Troy Terry, Mark Arcabello, <laughs> Chad Kalarik, Ryan Stoa, the defense, Chad Billens, Noah Welch, Ryan Gunderson, Will Borgen, James Wisniewski, who was broken at the time, Bobby Sanguinetti, John Blum, and name. Matt Gilroy. <laughs> what the hell? Bobby Sanguinetti. There is a chance that could happen again if the NHL has to uh, bail out. By the way, just call those so. guys up again for one more, one more, one more once. Holy shit! Might as well bring it. Brian Rafalski. Oh. <laughs> so wait, where were the last Olympics in? I can't remember. Uh, twenty eighteen. No, where were they? China? Wasn't it China or South Korea? China. It was South Korea because it's China now. Right. I remember, like the South Korean team was like 
all Canadians. It was something ridiculous. And Here, everyone's like, me, they're uh... all Canadians. I'm like, no, it's just, it's kind of like what China's having right now where they basically got a bunch of Canadians right now uh, who have, like, citizenship with, with China, like, through, like, their parents or whatever, and brought them over to, like, play with Kunlun. It's, 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 it's nuts. So yeah, Kunlun is, so, like, okay, so they asked Canadians... John Scott to play on their team. Yeah, John fucking China. Scott. <laughs> yeah, China said, hey, so come can... play in China, and we'll give you citizenship so you can be Ah, uh, Scott San. That'd be awesome as hell. <laughs> Uh, to Endo's point, Canadians on that South Korean team, uh, defenseman Alex Plant, goaltender Matt Dalton, defenseman Brian Young, uh, forward Brock Radunsky, forward Michael Swift. Uh, they also had uh, Eric Reagan on defense and an American, Mike Testudi. So, uh, yeah. Like right now, the current, si- that. Yeah, the current situation right now in, in uh, China is that. Three years ago, they brought over a whole bunch of talent to go play for Kunlun, the KHL team, which is based in China, uh, which is based in Kunlun. But that's actually being played out in the suburb of Moscow, which is absolutely ridiculous. Like the whole thing is like, because no one goes to their games, so they just play over there. They're like the worst team. Um, so they, and the big issue right now with China is like they might not even like pull them out, even though they're the host country, they have a team. But it's gonna be so embarrassing for them as a as like a development team because they're like Div three. In like IIHF, and you're their, yeah. their pools with like Canada, US, like Switzerland, like top teams are like gonna completely dominate them, and it, they they're like we can't have this happen, and like their way of getting around it of boosting up their team and developing their like squad was let's get a bunch of people in and get them to qualify over as like oh you've been in the country long enough so IIHF says oh you can technically play under so they have a bunch of like. But it's literally just all Canadians on their team. And I believe there are a few KHL games they have to play where they're they're basically showing their roster for like Chinese born players. And it's like bad. It's very, very bad. Oh man. Poor China. I mean and again it's it's hard to grow a sport in China like that. Hmm. To round out Friday, um, after of course we talked about the Islanders, somehow we Remember when we were talking about the Islanders? Oh, my God. <laughs> How did we get there? Um, <laughs> I, I guess the COVID cancellations. Uh, the final game on Friday, the Leafs beat the Sharks 4-1. to one. Joseph Wall gets another win. Nylander's 8th. Matthews ninth. Tavares 10th of the year. Uh, Benino did score his, his second in as many games, though. Uh, boys, any recollections from that game on Friday? Sin, you want to start? Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> but I mean, that's what happens when you have one shot on three fucking power plays against the Leafs. You moron, shoot the puck. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a frustrating game. The Leafs played well enough to win. I wouldn't say they dominated by any means, but like the Sharks just they weren't very good. And Wall was good, and they didn't test him enough. Especially when they did have a man advantage, you have to make Toronto pay for taking taking penalties, and they didn't. Yeah, Joseph Wall looks good. He looks. We've made the jokes about being being like a solid wall and brick wall, but he looks. He doesn't look like a rookie. If if that, if that makes any sense, he isn't making the mistakes that a rookie would typically make. Uh, comparison to Stuart Skinner with uh the uh the Oilers or making some certain plays and having the jitters. He seems very relaxed and composed, and I think that's with being in the system with the Marlies for so long. He just doesn't really seem like he's like that phased. You know how Bennington says, oh, he's never nervous, but like meanwhile, he's like the most jittery motherfucker in the fucking crease in the NHL right now with swinging <laughs> stick at people like he's fucking Freddy Krueger. 
Uh, but he, he just doesn't look nervous. He doesn't look afraid to go out there and play every night. He knows that every night he goes out there, he's going to get the, he's going to get the win. Fair enough. Yeah. We'll move on to Saturday night now. Uh, kicking things off, the Seattle Kraken beat the Florida Panthers 4-1. to Chris Dreger gets his uh, the win in his return to Florida. Jordan Eberle with a two-goal game up to 10-11 and uh, on the season there. The Kraken are 3-7-0 in their last 10. But in that time, they have beaten the Capitals, Hurricanes, and Panthers, the top three teams in the NHL. <laughs> They're an enigma. Yeah. It's, it's just <laughs> hockey. Sports. Like, it's just, it's so weird. It's completely nonsensical. Yeah. But end of the day, the Panthers are still 14 4 and 3. They're a juggernaut. Any concern about them really slowing down once Quinville was allowed to step aside, uh, it's kind of, you know, dissipated at this point. And the Kraken and 7 13 and 1 playoffs seem unlikely. But hey, at the very least, they've shown they can be a bit of a spoiler in terms of giving teams a, a tough time. I think that's really all you can ask for with how that roster was built <coughs> poorly. <laughs> Uh, the Edmonton Oilers beat the Golden Knights 3-2. to uh, Goals from Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and Pool Party. Yes, he pulled your um, Highlight of this game, Chris Russell became the NHL's all-time leader in block shots, surpassing Brent Seabrook. Jeez. What? Chris Russell. Huh. I would have never yep. thought. Russell, your Jimmy's the best in at anything. <laughs> so insulting. Right. I'm sorry, but like, it's Chris Russell. Like, yeah, he turned out to be such no, like I... a an anchor when he was supposed to be pretty solid. But hey, yeah, he blocks so shots, I mean, or at least he's in the way of him. He's still good. Yeah, he's still good defensively. It's uh, 890 career games. Wow, 2,003 blocks, dude. Yeah. All right, note to self. Dude, there was a time. Chris Russell in fantasy. So 2013 <laughs> to 2018. Yeah, he had some good years in there. 2013 to 2018, the fewest amount of blocks he finished with in a season was 201. Wow. <laughs> that is He, he also missed blocks. time. He that's, never played a full season in that time. I wonder why. <laughs> that's two and a half blocks per game, man. That's actually impressive. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Chris Russell, ladies and gentlemen, put some put some respect on his name. Um, God, yeah, for the Golden Knights, like Stevenson and uh, Riley Smith both scored. But Vegas to twelve nine and zero at that point. Edmonton fifteen five and zero. Well, I think we have another Vegas game to talk about coming up though in a, uh, in a few minutes. Anyway, uh, but then we get to what I thought was going to be the biggest game in terms of discussion, and then Montreal did stuff, and then the DOPS did stuff. The LA Kings and the Ottawa Senators on Saturday. The Kings beat them 4-2. Arvidsson scored his fourth of the year. Kaliev scored his fourth of the year. Someone else who might be up there for that third rookie. Uh, and Carl Grundstrom, fourth and fifth. So another former Leaf there. Uh, for the Sens, another former Leaf. Connor Brown got his fourth of the year. Ottawa, 1-9-0 in their last 10. Five straight losses. They are 4-14-1. Uh, remember when the GM said the rebuild was about over? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God is right. So, not only is that situation incredibly bad, uh, 
it's not helped by the fact that they signed Matt Murray to the deal that they signed him to. I feel bad for him. And that is the main topic of discussion here. Matt Murray was sent down. He did clear waivers. And I completely agree. Like, I'm not looking at this in, like, a humorous way to be like, oh, he got a four-year deal where it's 6-2-5 a season. Hey, he sucks. Like, I mean, there, like, bottom line is there was a stat that was out there. If he never plays another game for the Senators, four years, $25 million. A, he ended up playing 33 games, an 8-9-2 save percentage, and a goal, save, a goal saved above expected of negative 19.32. Yeesh. Bro. <laughs> that is... Bro. It's... It's an incredible fall from grace, guys. Yeah. And I do think it's incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be a case of just he had his incredible moments at the Preds and Sharks' expense. He had his incredible moments. And then once nineteen twenty hit, he hasn't been the same. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, during that season or before it was when his father passed away. And that always seems to be the 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 main thing that's brought up, unfortunately, um, is a combination of injuries, primarily concussion issues, and then on top of the, the death of his father. And like I said, I don't view this as a, a situation or a time to be like, yeah, it's all dunk on Matt Murray. He sucks. Like, that's not... That's not this. It's like this. This is a guy who's 27 years old. He shouldn't be falling off this hard. It's got to be something more or a combination of numerous different things. And it just makes you wonder what the next step is. I mean, in terms of the only team I even viewed as a possibility that would claim him is Buffalo. Uh, you know, Arizona with Wedgwood and Vimelka, they don't really have a, a reason. Yeah. Like, you don't want to get somebody better who has the potential to be better than Wedgwood because you're tanking. Um, you know, it's just, it seems like they're likely going to have to buy this deal out or just hope that time in the AHL, uh, can help him figure things out, but it's, it's just, it's, it's a sad story. And I really do hope that he bounces back because if you want to look in the future at the idea of a buyout, if they were to buy him out next year, it would cost them one seven five against the cap. Is he already then played one full year, right? Or did his four year deal kick in yes. this year? Okay, so it'll be two years. Yeah, so he's one year in. Okay, so I mean, he's got three years left, uh, two after this one. Yeah, so if they buy uh, him out, were... it's only a two year buyout. Uh, well, well, I mean, four, they buy actually. out. Well, yeah, they buy out the two years. Is what I mean. They buy out two years. Yes, so it would be one seven five, then seven hundred fifty k, and then two point five million for two years after. That's the worst setup. You could argue whether or not that's worth it or not, especially for an organization that doesn't like to spend money. If the 2.5 was in the first two years, I'd say 100% do it. But the 2.5 is coming in the two years where they're going to have a lot of those younger guys beginning to be extended, and that's the time where they're really going to want to start making playoff pushes. That's that's rough, but mm, if he doesn't get better, might be what you have to do. I'm looking at his contract so, right now and everything. I think he, I think he got way overpaid, personally. I mean, I think everyone thought yeah. that yeah. at the time, right? And he definitely got overpaid. I mean, there's obviously something that's affecting him, and I hope he gets that fixed and sorted out. But at the same time, uh, I always saw that deal was so that way the Senators could hit the cap room floor because they had literally mm. nobody and nothing there to him. If they could, and he still, yeah. 
He still counts for over $5 million against the cap, even though he's buried in the minors. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I think they... Next year... I don't know. I would honestly wait one more year. Wait till he has one more year before you buy him out. Because that way... Do you know what the... Do you have the buyout calculator with you? Could you see how much that would be if they bought out only the last year of his deal? Uh, Let me see if I am allowed to look at that. I don't know if cap-friendly... Well, no, buyout date. Okay, so if it's... uh, Year after... Yeah, so while you do that, just the one instead. Yeah. Well, I, I already have it here. Oh, so shit. if it's 2023, if they buy him out after next year, it would be a two-year hit, 916k, and then 2.6 million. Right. So you really can't escape a 2.5 no. to 2.6 yeah, million that's, dollar that's hit. That's unfortunate. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I was going to say too is, I'm surprised they sent him down or put him through waivers. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't do something kind of like what Toronto did with Jonathan Bernier when he was here, when they sent him down for for um for conditioning stint and have him play out that way and bring him back up. Well, like, is, you... are they are they fully like going to the whole embracing of being like, yeah, you know, are are we're gonna, just gonna get rid of him kind of thing? Because they did that There's with Bernier. There's got to be something related to the cap there that, uh, that I'm just not entirely that? sure of as to why they might have done it this way. It's weird. The other big part of this sends King's situation was Brendan Lemieux biting Brady Kachuk during a fight twice. Uh, I don't believe we have heard what the suspension will be (laughs) for him yet. Yet we already know the Brad Marchand suspension, so fucking figure that one out. This one happened two days before. Uh, But it was an in-person hearing for Lemieux, uh, which means, I believe, a six-game minimum. Uh, obviously, in the aftermath of this, there were a bunch of stories that came out from people regarding uh, Brendan Lemieux and his character. Uh, and then you also had I didn't see any of the those. comments. You also have the comment directly from Brady Kachuk himself. This was the best fucking rant oh I've my seen God, from an NHL yes. player. More of this, please. Seriously. Mike. And I quote, this is the one time I'm going to answer this. It was the most gutless thing somebody could ever do. This guy, you can ask any one of his teammates, nobody wants to play with them. This guy is a bad guy and a bad teammate. He focuses on himself all the time. The guy's just a joke. He shouldn't be in the league. This guy's gutless. No other team wants him. He's going to keep begging to be in the NHL, but no other team is going to want him. He's an absolute joke. I can't even wrap my head around it. People don't even do this. He's just a bad guy. It's outrageous. Kids don't even do that anymore. Babies do that. I don't even know what he was thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. He's got nothing up there. Bad guy, bad player, but what a joke he is. You know what's the best part about that? When someone used Cameo to get Gilbert Gottfried read that word uh, for word. What? I didn't even see that. You didn't hear about that? How the fuck am I missing all this stuff? And, and the way he says Kachuk is... family, buddy. Ha, ha, <laughs> he just goes off. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen what him reading uh, Shades of Grey? <laughs> yes. <So good. laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. So beautiful. <laughs> I mean, where's the lie, though? There's no lie. And you know what? It's made a lot of, it makes a lot of sense that all that like he's not good, which is why he might actually one day be out of the league. Um but remember, he had a podcast with uh the Canes 
legend now. Defenseman. Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. Stormy, Stormy the Capitol. By the way, North Carolina, you should be fucking ashamed. All I want for Christmas is a Tony D'Angelo extension. Oh, be careful what you wish for. The second uh, he gets that money and gets his fucking ego back inflated, you can forget about him being a good boy. I guarantee yeah. you. Stormy the Capitol. Uh, that's what I'm calling him. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So, I love Kachuk's response. For Brendan Lemieux, He's having an okay season. He's got five points in 14 games, four four of them goals. Of the points there. He's played well recently. I I just don't know if if there was prior. I think there was, might have been like a prior incident, like a prospect game or something that somebody pointed out. I don't know if Kachuk just got under his skin, but uh, he does have Lemieux a punchable certainly got into face. his. Their dads go uh, way back. If I had though. to punch one of the Kachuks, like for some reason, I would punch Brady. Um, even though he seems like the cooler of the two, I would just punch him because of his face. Yeah. But um, it, it's still not all jokes aside. I, I love all those comments from Brady. And now it's like I remember being like, why would they give him the C after everything that went down after the whole contract holdout? I'm all on board. That man is your fucking captain because that's incredible. Like he, he let his personality fly. He stuck up for himself. He just absolutely railed on a guy who... Some and uh, what I like the most about it is because he said, "Yo, I'm only going to say this once." He, he, it's it's restraint in the face of venting, and I like that. I think hockey needs more people to vent, but also exercise restraint. Being like, "Yo, you want this? Here's it one time. I'm not going to give you guys soundbite after soundbite after soundbite. I'm going to say this once." And I like that. Mm. I think that was really really awesome of Brady. And uh, yeah, Brandon Lemieux's a piece of shit, and good good for you, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I think you summed it up perfectly. Uh, also, on Saturday, the Detroit Red Wings beat the Buffalo Sabres 3-2. to uh, Lucas Raymond, his ninth of the year. Shout out to Dylan Cousins, though, for the Sabres with his fifth. He's done pretty well. Uh, and Jeff Skinner has sixth on the year. But the Sabres are 3-6-1 uh, and one in their last ten. And I think any of the uh, hope and optimism that they had through the first five to eight games yeah. of the season has officially been extinguished. Yeah, I was going to mention that earlier. Remember when the Sabres were 4-0? <laughs> I think Sabres fans are used to this happening. Right? I know, and I literally said that in the beginning. Everyone's like, oh my god, the Sabres, are they really? I'm like, guys, dude, they do this every year. How are you guys still fooled mm-hmm. by this? I <laughs> think that's why you never saw the arena fill up any more than what it did. <laughs> yeah. People are just like, yeah, we know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. You're not suckering us in. Get the, the hell inevitable. It's amazing. And then, <laughs> because there aren't enough big talking points... The Montreal Canadiens beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 6-3 on Saturday. And boy, don't we have stuff to talk about with both of them. The Habs are who we'll start off with. They are 3-5-2 in their last 10. As of this win, a 16-5-2, uh, 16-15, uh, God, 6-15-2 record on the season. Easy for me to say. A lot of numbers. Um, this game, two-goal performance for Josh Anderson. A lot of their bigger names showed up. They beat the Penguins. It's all well and good. And then Mark Bergevin was fired. When's the last time a GM was fired after a win? Congrats! It probably happens more recently than you think, but just probably. the concept of it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to really gel. <sighs> I, I don't even know where to start with just the the sentence. Mark Bergevin was fired. We are less than half a year removed from them appearing in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And he was fired before December. It's insane. 
It's absolutely insane. And it makes me think that they would have done this sooner had they not made the Stanley Cup final. Habs don't make the playoffs last year. They're gone. Mm -hmm. He's gone. He's fired. So it's almost like you brought him back just to be like, okay, well, we'll give you a little bit more time. And to that, and that, that to me doesn't really speak to a direction that they have. It really does speak that you, you gave him a bit of extra time because the team figured it out for a little bit. Yeah, and look what happened in the offseason to the Habs. <laughs> Dano so, gone. Oh, just. I know some of the stuff they can't control, Weber, Carey Price, etc., but. So that's why you would think, though, if he was a part, if if they never planned on getting rid of him, he would have stayed. He would have had to have stayed. I mean, why would like you factor in like you mentioned? Okay, Deneau's gone, Price is out, Weber's out, all the injuries that have happened. If it was the plan to keep him. They would have. He wouldn't be gone right now. Yeah. But it, it almost screams to me that again he was gone had they not made the playoffs last year, because they were so quick to pull the trigger here, and you know you you look at Mark Bergevin's history, and I think he leaves behind a, a rather interesting legacy with the Habs because. You know, I've I've been critical of him in a, in a lot of ways because I still stand by the fact. Like, you look at that team that got to the conference final against the New York Rangers in 2014. If Carey Price doesn't go down to injury, there's a good chance the Habs are playing the Kings in the Cup final. And who the hell knows what happens when it's Jonathan Quick against Carey Price? I mean, we saw Jonathan Quick for his lung twist, and that was great as well. But you look at that core and I still say if you maneuvered the pieces around the right way that the Habs would have won a cup with the likes of Patch already leading that team. But I just don't think they made the right moves at the right time. And yes, he rebounded well in the acquisition of Nick Suzuki and company. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know what his legacy in Montreal is. Like He was the GM of this team since 2012-13. And in that time, uh, some ups, a lot of downs. I don't really know. Like, I, It seemed to be uh, among the Habs fan base, partial celebration, but also a lot of people who were concerned. I, I just don't know what to make of Mark Bergevin and, and his time with the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I like uh, they were very it was it was odd like they should. I, I th- wasn't he the one that like, quoted as like, yeah, we're not rebuilding, but then they were doing like rebuilding stuff constantly, but not yeah. re- I, it was weird. It was, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like he was great it. as a GM. I feel like he got lucky by going to that cup final. And like you said, like it, it seems like the team kept around. Okay. Well, maybe we can keep you if you, cause you did just make it to the cup. But like, on my opinion, that was, that had nothing to do with the GM. I think they won in spite of him. And I think they got to that cup in spite of him, and they they caught lightning in a bottle, and and it may be the politics of it. You can't fire the GM after that when it comes down to it. But we'll get to it more. There's the politics of uh, of Montreal. The organization fucking suck. Oh, we can't fire yeah. now. You just got to the cup. Okay, well he's fired now. Um, we gotta have a French speaker, so we're gonna. Mm. Oh, oh my we'll, god. We'll Why? get to that here in a second. I'll yell about um, that. Holy fuck. I did. I did want to say go in relation to like that cup winning team. Like to my point, you, you look at that era of the 
of the Canadians and what happened after that 2014 run. And it's like, oh, we're not going to keep Alex Radulov. We're not going to keep Andre Markov. And we're going to, it's just weird decisions at weird times. Replacing Bergevin is next on the agenda. We do know that Jeff Gorton is uh, stepping in as the executive vice president of the team. Of course, he was previously the general manager of the New York Rangers, was released uh, within the past year, of course, in the aftermath of the absurdity that surrounded the Rangers at the end of last season. And Jeff Gordon, uh, Jeff Gordon, I almost, you always want to say Jeff Gordon. Um, Jeff Gordon is stepping into a role he's never had before, but I look at this guy as someone where if I had to pick someone like a GM or a, a you know, a, an executive vice president role to oversee the foundation, you know, and, and the building of a, of a contender, he might be at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Like he was with the Boston Bruins. From 1994 to 2007. So he was the director of scouting, the assistant general manager. He was then the interim general manager when they drafted uh, some guys by the name of Brad Marchand and Milan Lucic, I believe right around that era. Mm. Uh, He then goes to the Rangers as a scout, then director of player personnel, and then the AGM, and then the GM. And boy, he he knows how to build good teams. Yeah. I think the Rangers did make a mistake letting him go, even though they're having success this season. And I think this is a phenomenal hire for the Habs. You know, I, I think this is a really great signing for them to have him kind of lead the way. But as Sid mentioned, he's not the GM. We don't know who the GM is yet. I think he is, though. So, well, that's what a lot of people are saying, yeah. is is he the GM but not? Kind of like Brian Burke being above um, Ron Hextall in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Is it that situation, like the optics of it? And they're going to have we a, thought the GM a puppet to speak was, French to people. Yeah, that's basically what it's going to be. We thought the GM of the club was going to be former NHLer Scott Mellenby, who, according to him, was promised to be the next GM of the Habs until ownership changed their mind. I wonder if Scott speaks French. I have a feeling he doesn't. Yeah. The emphasis is flat out, apparently, on finding somebody. And there was a press conference today from the Molson family and essentially reiterating the point of the importance of a French-speaking GM. Which is, to me, the biggest problem with the Montreal Canadiens. I grew up knowing the Habs' language to be winning. What was the Habs language as an organization? Championships. Oh, do you speak English? Do you speak French? Look at this cup ring. That was their language. That is how they did their talking. Yet in my lifetime, and this emphasis might have been there before, there now seems to be more of that emphasis on, oh, well, we have to be able to appeal and I, to, to both sides. There is not a Habs fan with more than one brain cell pinging around in their skull that would have been upset had the Habs beat the Tampa Bay Lightning this past summer because, oh, the GM doesn't speak French. There is not a person in that fucking province that would have said, yeah, but this cup win would be so much sweeter if the GM could tell me congratulations in French as well as English. 
That that's not real. That's not a thing. I am perfectly okay as a fan of the Boston Bruins to see the Montreal Canadiens organization continue to put these limiting parameters on themselves that are continuing to hold the organization back. I'm perfectly fine with that. I revel in it. I think it's great. It's hilarious. You're fucking stupid. What are you doing? How You are the Montreal Canadiens. I am 27 years old, and you haven't won in my entire lifetime, despite being the winningest organization of all time? That's fucking awesome. Keep fucking up, you dumb fucks. What are you doing? I, I literally, I don't have any other words for this aside from... Holy shit, how dumb can you be? Yeah, well, when you only have to beat five other teams every year, you can probably say, all right, everyone needs to speak French and half of our roster has to be Quebecois. But yeah. at this point, stop. Like, you we're in an era of globalization. And to, to, to be... It, you're not in this weird bubble. And I don't know, like, it seems like Quebec are, oh, yeah. are like the most isolationist motherfuckers on the planet where, like, they need to their little bubble. They need, like it to be this certain way and they're like they're they're still pretending that like it's the fucking 50s or something i i, I don't know yeah. what's up with it but it's like they they want like they want their own little private french residence and it's just it's just not like that Ho like hockey's is more of a global sport it's not even any longer even a big french canadian thing i feel like the french canadians and it's evidenced by their goddamn prime minister whoever the hell is there um the pm premier the, pm yeah, premier Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Like, oh, we need more Quebecois playing. There's been a decrease in numbers. It's like, you know what? There's more competition. There's simply more players from more places because hockey's taking over on a more global scale. So Get you're better. not going to see as much Quebecois. You're not going to have as much French speakers. Deal with it. Evolve. Yeah, but adapt or die, uh, man. Fuck. Imagine how good the Oilers would be if they didn't have that scrub, you know, German Leon Dreisaitl, and they had some dude named fucking. I can't even think of the most Charles Poutine name. Poutine, or whatever the fuck. Well, no, I'm thinking <laughs> of the Oilers. Canadian kids here, okay, we need good Canadian kids, no Germans, <laughs> Europeans celebrate, boy. Oh, we, need, we need Brandon Wheat King. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Wheat, or fucking Wheaton King, whatever the fuck his name Eat was, on weenies. the Brandon Wheat we, Kings. We, we need, we need him on the Oilers to lead the way, <laughs> otherwise it's just not a title. Like, like nobody just... else does this. <laughs> Casually <laughs> named a guy after a WHL team. <laughs> Quit trying, like, motherfuckers. Oh like, I guess the only the only reason to do this is so that they can win a title and be like, hey, we, we won the NHL on hard mode because we, we limited ourselves like a draft of glory. You, you know like, what, what it is? It's This all started because of last year when they they played one single fucking game. One game! Without mm -hmm. a Quebecois-born player on their roster, mm -hmm. it's absolutely ridiculous that a franchise in the National Hockey League is freaking out over not having enough Quebecois players. You know what you need to do? You need to work on developing your players instead of bitching about not being able to have any on your team. Maybe they're not as good as you think they are. Maybe they're off on other teams because they're other star players. Fucking cope. It's ridiculous. And, like... Quebec itself, just to touch on Quebec itself, it's very separatist. It's it still is separatist. Like hell, they tried to secede from Canada back yeah. in the day. They're, they're still trying to do it right now. If I believe right now, the current leader of of Quebec they still is all keep for the, the currency. Yeah, they still want to keep the currency. Like like what? I'll go to the your own Williams fucking show. shekels. Jesus Christ, leave me alone. Cry. <laughs> like a kid moving out of the house, but I, I still would like to get money. Fuck off, you. Give me, give me, give me my allowance, but let me leave. 
God. I'm going to live in a shoebox, but still make sure to give me uh, my fucking, my, my, my Lungibles. Like, what, what do you, like, it's ridiculous. They need to, they need to just get with the times. The future is now, old man. Do, do something other besides the shit that you're doing right now. Also, and uh, for the future GM who, know, who doesn't know how to speak French, félicitations. That is how you say congratulations. There you fucking go. Now go win a fucking Stanley Cup, you anglophone. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense to any of us as to why there is... I, I don't care about, oh, you have, to, you have to live here to understand. No, no, you don't. You don't. It's There's ridiculous. Just... Like, it's really hard. I've I've had people who live in Quebec and, and live in uh, mostly like Mon- Montreal. Everything's like all in French. It's like the minute you cross that border to go into Quebec City or Quebec, not even Quebec City. Just everything changes. Everything's all French this, French that. People will get mad at Which you is... to speak English. It's like, it's like, quoi? What do you want from me? Like, what do you what? Come on. I just don't understand the idea of, I don't understand what my GM is saying. So it's not good enough. Like in, in the, the internet age we live in where yeah. subtitles are an easy thing and people translate shit on Twitter if you really care that much. Like, like if the GM of the Boston Bruins speaks fucking Portuguese, do you think I'm going to give a fuck if they win a Stanley Cup? <laughs> Motherfucker, I'll get a tattoo of Ronaldo on my chest. Like... <laughs> 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 That's the one thing, too, that I said on Twitter, because that's a fucking cesspool of another thing as well. Just with the technology that we have nowadays, there is not a single factor that should be against them being able to hire someone for any reason whatsoever. I've had coaches. I've had players. I have people who don't speak fucking English or French. They still speak their home language where they came from when they came off of the flight for the Prince looking for a better life here in Canada. It is absolutely ridiculous that these entitled pricks i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it flat out entitled pricks think that i'm bilingual and it's great it helps me get a job better it's it's great but at the same time forcing someone to have to speak a certain language in order to make them like eligible for a job is absolutely ridiculous there's fucking Duolingo. There is like Google Translate. It's a pretty goddamn good job at telling you what it is. There are resources. Mm-hmm. They're a billion dollar organization looking for like, trying to spend money for a hockey team. You can spend what a hundred thousand for a fucking translator. Shut up. On the other side of this, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, they have a new owner. Fenway Sports Group. Owners of the Boston Red Sox, owner of Liverpool FC, announced uh, that they have acquired a controlling interest in the Pittsburgh Penguins, as was rumored. The deal is subject to approval by the Board of Governors, which is expected to close before the end of the year. Uh, Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle will remain part of the ownership group, but FSG have a new acquisition. And, yeah, people are making their jokes about, you know, oh, they're going to start serving clam chowder at the Penguins games yeah. and stuff like that. Fuck but yeah, that's great. It, it's still, it's just, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what this means in terms of the approach that they take. I mean, the bottom line is I'm sure Fenway Sports Group would have loved to have owned the Bruins. That was not going to happen. The Jacobs family. Jeremy Jacobs, the owner of the Boston Bruins, his ego it's the house of Jacobs. is too big. 
House of Gucci. TD Garden, it's his cathedral where people pray to him. Like, his ego is too big to sell the Boston Bruins. It is a part of his identity that he is the owner of the Boston Bruins. He was not going to sell them for FSG. Especially when the fact that apparently the number for the Penguins is 900 million. Woo! Yeah. That's the one. That's the number I heard. I don't know if that's official, but... Didn't we say yeah, unless FSG... Lemieux got into it for like 100 mil? We, we, we yeah, something like that, that yeah. We, so we did talk about wow. that in the prior episode, but the history of Lemieux with the team, saving the team, how much he paid for it—it's in terms of what it means for Lemieux. It's a massive return on our investment, uh, on investment, and Nine he's going to stay with the team, which to me feels like the only way to stop some Penguins fans from trying to burn down the stadium. I—I uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like we don't know what this means for the Penguins. We're going to have to wait and see. But at the end of the day, yes, a Boston-based ownership group now owns the Pittsburgh Penguins. What what difference does it make though? It doesn't. At the end of the day, people, right? Like people are going to make a deal out of it because they want something to talk about. But it really, it's an ownership group. Like, yeah, it'll depend on who they hire for GMs and stuff like that. But like, I mean, it's Fenway at the end of the day. Like, they're pretty good at getting some of the best guys available. I mean, Boston Red Sox are legit still one of the better franchises. Like in the last couple decades. I mean, they were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, it's one of those things where obviously, like, in the in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, hockey-wise, it might not be as exposed as, um, you know, like, like, in the Premier League, for example. Like, hey, guess what? Yeah, there's a lot of ownership groups that, that aren't from England. Again, I mentioned that FSG themselves own Liverpool. You look at uh, Stan Kroenke, who, of course, owns the LA Rams and the Denver Nuggets, but he also owns Arsenal. Like, you know, outside of the U.S., they're probably more used to this, but at the end of the day... Do you not think that there are people within the NHL that, uh, you know, aren't from there or have ties, like extreme ties to the area? Like, I don't know. Do Sharks fans bitch that the owner of the team is German? No. I'm pretty sure they don't. We don't I'm pretty care sure that doesn't fucking matter. Because he, he lets Doug Wilson spend it to the cap and he lets him do what the fuck he wants. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, he's right. It's an owner, man. Who cares? Exactly. I mean, as long as, hey, if your team's competitive, does it really matter what region the money's coming from? So we'll see what happens. I mean, it could have an effect, um, certainly, moving forward. Um, God, then we'll move on to uh, this as well. Sorry, I just seen a stat line somebody posted. Jake the Brusque before and after being cross-checked in the head by Nazem Kadri. Jesus. Uh, before, 146 games played, 93 points. After, 168 games played, 73 points. Is Nazem Kadri to blame for Evander Kane eventually being a Boston Bruin? Probably. Not the biggest point gap ever, but yeah. Probably. Yeah. Definitely not. Definitely not extreme. I just saw it. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is interesting. Um, also on Saturday, the Stars beat the Coyotes 3-2. Dallas 7 uh, wins in their last 10. They've won 4 in a row, so uh, up to 10-7-2. Certainly a team to look out for as we move forward here in the next little bit. Uh, the St. Louis Blues beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 6-3, but as mentioned with the Blues, 3-5-2 uh, in their last 10. They're at 11-7-3. Uh, certainly some concerns, you know, like Sin mentioned, like, hey, give it time. Let's see what the Blues really are. It was a good game against the Jackets, though. Bushnevich, two goals. Barbashev, two goals. Uh, Bokvist for the Jackets actually had two goals as well. So how's that uh, Seth Jones working out for you there, Chicago? Um, the Avalanche beat the Preds 6-2. The Avs are 7-2-1 in their last 10. 
That is without Nathan McKinnon. I'll remind you once more, who was due to come back soon. I think against Toronto was uh, the word. Uh, Rantanen had a hat-trick on Saturday, up to 10 goals on the year. Kale McCarr has a six-game point streak with seven goals and (laughs) five assists in that time. The Avs have no reason to not win the Stanley Cup. Nope. Period. They're going to blow it again. No, I hope not. I really hope not. Please, please don't blow it again. Like, really, they... This is their year. It could have been their year last year, but this is for sure the year. The East doesn't have a team like them. You can argue Florida, but Florida is still unproven. I mean, Florida, Carolina, Tampa, but... I, I, if, I question Tampa. I know they're still doing good, but I don't think they have the depth to, to go all the way again. Colorado should win. They should. Like, Colorado's biggest task, again, is Vegas. Like, I mean, and then again, you know, Vegas right now, obviously going through a lot of injury troubles. We have no idea what they'll look like by the <sighs> end of well, the season. Well, it doesn't matter. They, they're they're, they're going to go to the playoff rule book and Vegas will succeed because they play like shit. Yep. And by, by play like I shit, know. I mean they're, they they bend the rules so fucking much and they have that kind of team. And they have that kind of team of a bunch of workhorse guys who aren't going to be as skilled as the next team, but they're going to... You know, do all so, those under the radar penalty shit. To get away with it. your point, uh, looking at the Eastern Conference here, right, and the West. In the West, there's only one team that has a point percentage above .7, so 700, uh, and that's Edmonton at a .75. No other team in the West is over uh, a .7. In the East, you have five teams that are over a .7 at this stage of the season: Toronto, New York, the Rangers, that is, Florida, Washington, and Carolina. Yeah, I, so, I, again. Whoever, but the reason why I say that isn't to say, like, oh, you're wrong about there not being a team in the East. The East is a bloodbath. Yeah. In theory, whoever gets to the finals from the West should have an easier time, in theory, because the East right now looks like a murderer's row just for whatever team's going to make it. Yeah, and I also just kind of, the, the way the rosters are built, too. Like, I, I know Washington's doing pretty good, but, like, all of them, all those teams like in the East, Toronto, until they, you know, until they actually do something in the playoffs, I, I never consider them a threat. Um, <laughs> uh, Florida, I think, is probably the, the biggest possibility for the East in my mind. I think I think Capitals, while good, I don't know if they're going to have enough depth and goaltending to, to go for a deep playoff run. You know, they got Ovi doing his thing right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it should be the Avs, but... And again, the reason I didn't even mention the Oilers, which I'm sure a lot of Oilers fans get mad at, but here's the thing: it's the rule book change in the playoffs. They're gonna they're gonna hold and yank on McKinnon, or sorry, and on uh, on McDavid and Drysaddle, hmm. and they're not gonna be able to do what they do. Oilers are probably not getting by the second round. I hate to say it, I just and if they You're call the fucking rule book, like they. It's, it's it's I mean John Tortorella yeah. said as much two weeks ago. I know, and, and it's stupid yeah. and they shouldn't have to adjust their game, but that's the way it is. And but hey, yeah. maybe McDavid's just too good and he won't let it happen. We'll see. Wanna mention as well uh, from the Avs Pred game, Matt Duchesne scored his thirteenth of the year. So uh <laughs> all you hut fans out there. <laughs> Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, the final game on Saturday, the Jets beat the Flames 4-2. to two. Uh, Two-goal game for Kyle Connor. Who else? 13th and 14th of the year. Um, I have a Jets jersey, 
and I love it. It's the uh, their third jersey now, the one that they wore in the Heritage Classic, the dark blue with the white and red striping. It's a Shifley. I feel like I should sell that and get the same jersey, but of Kyle Connor. <laughs> I feel like it's it's almost wrong for me to not have a Kyle Connor jersey. Yeah, uh, at this point, you don't want a Shifley jersey. Not anymore. <laughs> I wanted it before. Now yeah. I question it. He's. Uh, so for the Flames, uh, Kachuk scored his 10th, Lindholm his 9th. So again, the star player is still doing well. And that brings us into Sunday's games, the last uh, day that we have to talk about here. And we'll run through this relatively quickly. We still have one more big rant to come. Don't worry. God damn. And here I thought we might finish this show in a somewhat timely manner, but LOL, especially as news keeps breaking. Uh, on Sunday, the Caps beat the Canes 4-2. to two. Capitals' third win in a row. They've won eight of their last ten as Ovechkin scored his 19th of the year. At age 36, he is tied for second in points in the league with Connor McDavid. McDavid is at the highest point-producing pace of his career, and Ovi is matching him at age 36. He's literally in in an NHL franchise mode now. What he like literally does, like... It always seems to happen. You get those those really good players, and they hit like age 35, 36. They always have like one or two more ridiculous years where they have like 100 points. That's what Ovi's doing right now, and it's fucking hilarious. Ovi's 31 points are the most in team history through a team's 20 games. He's Think about that. Alex Ovechkin has been on this team for almost 20 years, and this is the best point pace that Ovi's ever had. That's insane. He is 36. Absurd. Again, this year is such a weird year. It's so cool, though. And we talked about it earlier, but also uh, Carolina, a bit of a COVID scare as well, as defenders Brett Pesci and the previously uh, mentioned Tony D'Angelo are both currently in quarantine. So, well, one of those is not surprising. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, they're in code protocol. Who's to say they're in quarantine? Don't tread on him. Mm. Don't, no yes, step on yes. snake. He, he could leave if he no wants to. No step on snake. <laughs> no step on snack. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, my God. Uh, the Minnesota Wild beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 4-2. That's three straight wins for the Wild. Ryan Hartman, his 12th of the year. We mentioned the Wild three times today. All three games Ryan Hartman scored, if I'm not mistaken, which is just ridiculous. Um, and also a side note that I saw right before we recorded, uh, the Minnesota Wild are going to retire Miko Koivu's jersey as of March 13th. Uh, okay. I mean, that's, I that mean, seems like retiring a guy to retire a guy, but all right. Yeah. Well, like there's debate I mean, think- over whether or not Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe should have their jerseys retired. And you're talking about Miko Koivu in the same conversation as them. Well, I think for the Wild, at least though, you kind of, uh... You know, you, you kind of have to. I guess. Like, I mean, Miko Koivu, it's not the sexiest name in the world, but he has played almost 300 more games than anybody else in a wild uniform. He's the only guy to break 1,000 games in the uni. Second is Nick Schultz, <laughs> and then Jared Spurgeon will take second place by the end of the year. Uh, second, only one of two players to get 200 goals for the team, Marion Gabrick being the other one. He's the all-time leader in points. So, I mean, Miko yeah. Koivu, <clears throat> not the sexiest name in the world, probably not a Hockey Hall of Famer, but in terms of, like, Minnesota. Yeah, okay, I, I get it from the Minnesota standpoint. I'm always thinking, like, usually the numbers General, are retired. league-wide. Yeah, like, they're usually Hall of Famers, too, like, those guys who get the number. But I guess, yeah, the importance of him to that franchise, it would make some sense. I just, 
Yeah. It's yeah. it's just yeah, I guess. Not trying to be a dick and to Minnesota, but it's just yeah. There. <laughs> that weirded me out a little bit. The Sharks beat the Hawks two to nothing on Sunday night last night. James Reimer with the shutout. Timo Meyer two goals, his eighth and ninth of the year. Sin your and thoughts many, on this game. Um Reimer literally stole the game. The first period, the Sharks mm -hmm. were pretty hev heavily outplayed. Um, then they got enough, but yeah, James Reimer. It's so nice to have a goalie steal a game. I forgot what that felt like. It's been literally five years since a goaltender has stolen a game. And uh, we just saw it in James Reimer. What a bright spot he'd been. And they kept playing him, too. This was his fourth start in a row, which is the first time this season any Sharks goaltender has started that many games in a row. And it was Kim coming off for performance, which wasn't very good. However, you could it wasn't his fault. Like, his last game wasn't that good. And I, I like that the coaching staff said, all right, threw him back in there. And he rewards us with a shutout. And, yeah, Timo Meyer, eight and nine goals. I think he's at, what, like 13, 12 or 13 games played? I can't remember. Something like that, Because yeah. of the COVID stuff. The but he is, there, so. yeah. Um, it's great. The thing, the, like I said, the pieces that we needed to fall into place at the beginning of the year for us to have a chance are kind of falling into place. Not cleanly and not amazingly, but it's at least good hockey, and that's all I care about. As well, the other side of the coin, the Chicago Blackhawks, they are 6-4 and four in their last 10. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. They are still six points back of Dallas for sixth in the division. Good. Six wins in their last good 10. Good old Central. And they're still three wins back of Dallas for six. And Dallas isn't even doing that good. But yeah. they're all right, I guess. Dallas is rough right now. Oof. I'll skip this next game and come back to it for our main event because I think it's the most main event worthy. One more big rant to end the show. So I'll skip ahead to the uh, Devils beating the Flyers 5-2. to two. Dougie Hamilton, sixth goal of the year. Nate Bastion gets his second of the year after returning to the team from Seattle. And Andreas Janssen, we'll mention him again. He scored his eighth and ninth goals of the year after a four-point night. He has 17 points in 19 games. Last year, he had 11 points in 50 games. So, good for Andreas Janssen. I am so excited for the Leafs to have a midseason lull. And people are going to say, we should have fucking kept Andreas Janssen and Carl Grunstrom and all that's going to be so great. I know Wendell's looking forward to it. I can't wait. I, I legitimately cannot wait. Uh, I don't know. Leafs are doing pretty well on their own right now. Yeah, uh, well, we're getting to that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so for, for the Devils, too, Jack Hughes is nearly back, which is great. Um, but then the Flyers. I believe that's the fourth time, third or fourth time I mentioned in this episode. They are 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10, down to 8-8-4 eight, eight and four on the season. Interesting. I mean, Carter Hart's numbers, I, I believe, have still been pretty decent. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. With, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that team right now. But uh, I do. Makes you wonder. I mean, it becomes a little bit easier to pull the trigger on making a change when you're not the first team to do it in the season. Yeah. Um, also, it, unfortunately for Ristolainen, and he can't do two things at once. When he gets going offensively his defense suffers when he doesn't do anything offensively he's okay defensively but he's just whatever big big viking man goes boom and he lays the body but um he's just not the guy unfortunately i, I and i'm he's a guy i want to root for too he's, he's a cool dude i've heard him in interviews and stuff but it's just yeah he's just that's a lot to give up for him and also on sunday night 
uh, penultimate game we'll mention here. The Toronto Maple Leafs moved to 16-6-1. Remember when they threw a jersey on the ice after the fourth game? They beat the Anaheim Ducks 5-1. Matthews up to 10 goals on the year. It is four wins in a row for the Leafs. They are 9-1-0 in their last 10, dominating their Western Road streak. Seven straight wins on the road. If only they could play the West in the playoffs, but they can't. Right? I fucking the wish. Leafs, previous record for most. They are basically the Calgary of the East. Yeah. Remember when we talked about Calgary dominating the East yeah. but sucking in the West? The Leafs are the inverse. But the Leafs' previous record for most wins in a single month was 10. They've already won 12 games this month. Uh, and they just swept a four-game uh, road trip and won each game by at least three goals. That hasn't been done since 1978-79 by the Canadians. Yeah. Well, now... Yeah. And again, the sky was falling a month ago. Yeah, the uh, I blame the fucking media. Always blame the media. No, but... Uh, <laughs> they're, they're a good team. That's the thing. They're, like, one of the best. But when it, when it comes to actually showing up on time for stuff like the playoffs, they just don't. Yeah, so they have Maybe a good roster. Is, yeah. It's, it's a great roster, great on paper, but just can't fucking show up when we need you to show up. It seems like they figured something out, though, at least. So, hey. Yeah, I mean, let's find out this this summer. This summer in the this playoffs. This summer. Will the Leafs make it out of the first round? Or will it be in bed by Groundhog it? Day? <laughs> oh, Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and our final game to talk about. The Boston Bruins beat the Vancouver Canucks 3-2 in what might be Jake DeBrusque's last game as a Bruin. Um, well, actually, God, yeah, he was kind of... I don't even know if he played that game. That's so unnoticeable he's been, but I guess now we know why. Uh, Anton Bleed scored his first. Yes, Anton Bleed is an NHL player. Uh, Brad Marchand scored his ninth. It's not the only thing that he did. Uh, David Posternock scored his seventh of the year. Uh, for the Canucks, we'll, we'll talk about them first. Uh, Tanner Pearson scored his third, Connor Garland his sixth, that's all well and good. It looks like the Canucks had this game, uh, because the Bruins kind of struggled out of the gates. Vancouver, 1-8-1 in their last ten. Four straight losses. 6-14-2 on the season. Yet no moves. An apparent divide in the locker room. Patterson maybe being a point of contention. I mentioned Matt Barzell earlier in the show. His 8 points in 17 games. That means Matt Barzell is on pace for 38 points. Pedersen's only on pace for 39. Yikes. And still no moves. Montreal made a move before Vancouver, and Montreal made it to the cup final this past season. Yeah. I don't know what Vancouver Holy shit, doing. Vancouver, would you do anything? <laughs> it's like when you're poking the guy with a stick. Come on, do something. What ends it's up with literally the-, the meme of we've tried every we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Yeah, and <laughs> why does this seem to be what is the the thing with Canadian teams that they are so hesitant to do fucking anything? Like they don't want to rock the boat. They're afraid of media backlash. Can someone grow a pair of nuts in Canada? Nuts. Like not not to you know trash the whole country, but maybe a little bit. At least in the hockey management side of things, they're, they're not as ruthless as us Americans. Well, no, no, I don't know. Like, 
it's just weird. Like, they're so fucking afraid. Like, like, oh, we don't want to make a wrong. Like, you've made plenty of wrong moves. You allowed wrong moves to happen. Like, that one quote, we don't want to make a move that set us back for 10 years. You already did that. There's been several of those done by Jim Benning, and you're allowing him the space and time to continue doing that. Get rid of him. It's not Travis Green's fault. But you're going to have to get rid of him, too, because the new GM's going to want to choose his coach, whatever. He's a casualty of this. Stop letting that locker room fall apart. You're going to lose. You're going to lose your franchise. I don't care. Like, you, the move that's going to set you back is, is continuing on this path right now, and you're going to lose Pedersen. You're going to lose Besser either by them leaving or them just being shells of themselves, which is what Pedersen looks like right now. There's no cohesion in that. It's, yeah, and Quinn Hughes. Fuck! You know how much talent's on that roster? A lot. Holy. Yeah. So here's here's my issue. Their forward core is not that bad. No. It's actually pretty damn good. This defense, though, you have $15.76 million tied up in Oliver Ekman Larson, Tyler Myers, and Tucker Pullman. That is Hacker 20% Pullman. of your cap. Mm-hmm. 20% of your cap tied up in OEL, Tyler Myers, Tucker Pullman. How does Jim Benning still have a job? I don't understand it. Like that's what that's what that's what's weird to me. Like Shirelli stayed for so long. Like Shirelli's last hurrah was to sign Koskin into that fucking contract. That's gonna happen again to Vancouver. He's gonna try to do like one last ditch thing to like do something and it's gonna be horrible. And he's gonna do a Jim Benning thing, which is sign a role player to three million. With that, we'll get to the main event of the show. I mentioned Brad Marchand did something else. He slew-footed Oliver Ekman Larson on Sunday night. There is no defending it whatsoever. It was a cheap and dirty play that, yes, Brad Marchand has had the tendency to do in the past. He has not done in a long time, but that does not excuse it. Ended up having a hearing for said slew-foot, and, um, well, while he wasn't a repeat offender, he was suspended for three games. The inconsistency of the DOPS is something that we've talked about for this entire show, and um, we've talked about other slew foots throughout the season. We've talked about PK Subban's tendency to you know slew foot yep. this season in particular. I have talked about ad nauseum the Tucker Pullman hit to the head yeah. that resulted in two games. That's what I was. We doing. talk about a glove Insane. being five k, but Brad Marchand gets three for a slew foot. I'm not saying. That three games for a slew foot is necessarily a bad thing, especially for someone like Brad Marchand. But the inconsistency of this league is absolutely infuriating. That's all I got. I, I'd love to sit here yeah. and rant and rave more about it as much as I can. But frankly, I'm sick and tired of having to call the Department of Player Safety completely inept. Well, there's no other way to say it. It's they don't know what they're doing. It's quite yeah. clear. Or if they, I, I think what they're trying to do is like I, like, I don't even know what they're trying to do. All I know is what they're doing right now is they're not setting any sort of precedent. And they're like they're they're scared of themselves at time at times, but then not like it's it, to me, it's like the NHL refs. Oh, we don't want to have an effect on the game, but by doing something not right, by not calling it as you should, you have a greater effect on the game. By the Department of Player Safety giving Tucker Pullman two games for swinging a stick and connecting with someone's head, 
you basically you you set this bar of like, well, shit, okay, um, we can't do such and such for this amount because we saw a guy who swung a stick at someone's head got only two games. Oh wait, Marshawn just slew foot someone. Well, that's a pretty rough slew foot, pretty dirty, and it's Brad Marshawn. Or there's going to be a lot of backlash if we don't if we don't do something to give him three games. And now you you're stuck with uh oh. You slew foot someone that's worse than hacking someone in the head where they stick when concussions are a major problem in the NHL. Yes, a slew foot can also hit the head. I don't know if it happened on that play. I did watch it. I didn't look like it did. Either way, it's like, too, you said, the inconsistency is not only infuriating, they're completely – they're not doing themselves any favors. No one has any faith in them. No one has any faith in the Department of Player Safety, and it's because of their lack of – being able to set a precedent, their lack of any sort of consistency and their own fault because they're trying. I don't know what they're trying to do. They're trying to not be too severe. It's it's awful. They need to get rid of George Paros and put Paul Correa in there. Someone who actually gives a fuck about player safety, you know, not some God. I don't care if he graduated from Princeton. He has shown he can't do the goddamn job. Get someone who's not an NHL dick rider in there and that would be Paul Korea. Rant over. I did I did the rant for you, Tugi. There you go. There you go. Spot on. So did we miss with that I think did we miss um, unless you got something. Uh did we not talk about Austin Matthews and his comments towards uh Gord Miller? Well no, generally I didn't um see it. Okay, so we'll talk about this a little bit uh, a little better. Uh, so TSN uh, reporter Gord Miller is asking Austin Matthews on his performance and how he had a little bit of a slump and how he's getting back into the how he's basically getting back into shape. Austin Matthews says verbatim, "You know, I don't really care what you guys really say. I go out here and do my do my job and get out there." And um, his, and Gord Miller's response is like, he's, "He's like, no offense," and he's like, "Yeah, none taken." I think that's probably like the best like media to like player response I've seen in the last little while, where Guys are willing to finally open up and be like, you know what? I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't really give a fuck what you think. I'm going to go out there and do me and do that. And I'm glad that like Austin was comfortable just being like, but he's always been comfortable with like just telling how it is. And I'm glad that like, obviously Gordon Miller wasn't too upset by it. He's like, he's just doing his job. And Austin knows that as well. But he's like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to lay it out flat. I think that's something that the NHL needs a lot more of instead of just like, I mean, I think between what you just mentioned about Austin Matthews and what Sin mentioned about Brady Kachuk, yeah. I think that's. I, I think in general we're going to just kind of see that natural change of people being willing to just express themselves more consistently than just you know, you know pucks in deep and you know we're playing hard and yeah. all that shit. You know, Everyone's I, I the think same you are going to that. see. Yeah, <laughs> I think you are going to see the transition to uh, people being more more honest and showing more personality because let's be honest in the world that we live in, uh, it, it pays off in more ways than one to show more personality. Yeah. Like you having more of a personality and trending on social media and so on and so forth, uh, is extremely profitable and good for your business and good for your brand. So I think you're going to start seeing more of those players that are willing to, uh, be more open and honest. So, yeah. So good on Austin Matthews. And good on you, everybody, for making it through another edition 
of this podcast. We thank you very much. Uh, again, we had a lot to catch up on. We will be back on Thursday for more uh, of the adventures of the Department of Player Safety and us. A <laughs> mental hurdle that we have to continue to jump over. Otherwise, it'll bring us all down because we still don't know what the hell's happening there. Will Jake DeBrusque be a Bruin by Thursday? Will Evander Kane be a Bruin by Thursday? I can't wait to find out. Find out next Ooh. time on this episode of Tugi's Take Podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> Again, you can find Endo everywhere at Endo Mills. Sins everywhere, basically, at Sin for the Win Prod slash Productions, whichever one it may be. You can find him. I'm everywhere at Tugi24. We will see you all on Thursday. Goodbye for now. And fuck George Perros. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fuck Perros.